You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well out there. I was in the middle of an impersonation when you turned on the mics. I was my doing bad, my babe. best Squidward impersonation. Yeah, my bad. SpongeBob. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my lack of board operations getting to me there. My bad, my bad. Jacob, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good, man. It's Monday, start of another week. Got a lot going on, but that's okay. Life's getting busy, and I'm enjoying it, man. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. That's the number to call. We're taking your calls. Pretty much all show long, we'll have two guests on the show today. Jeremy Law, Brady Wilder. Alabama sports at 2.30. And the Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president, also has done some games recently, some Auburn softball games this past weekend on the Auburn Sports Network, as well as he is also Weagle 91.1 FM sports director, a former intern on the show. He's blowing up, man. He is a beast. He will be on at 3 p.m. We're going to talk Auburn basketball, Auburn softball, Auburn baseball is getting started this week. This is when a ton of sports begin to, they begin to eclipse and it's going to be a great time on the program. And it's great that I think all three of these sports, Auburn basketball, Auburn softball, Auburn baseball, I think they're going to shock some people this year. Auburn basketball already is. I think softball and baseball, especially considering baseball was picked to finish last in the SEC West, I would expect all three of these sports to surprise some people this year with their preseason expectations. I would too. And we talked to Britt Bowen, who does play-by-play for, for Auburn softball, um with the university we talked to him what last week about it you asked him every ago. time two weeks ago yeah you ask him every time what's the update on softball and he says look I think this team's going to be middle of the pack in the SEC and the SEC so good that means you're a top 25 program and I think Auburn softball can get to that point they need to get back to that level because of how competitive the SEC is but they started out what five six and oh something this weekend and and, and the offense was present and the which offense is was different present, yes. than what we're accustomed to seeing with this softball team even again against middling competition and not the best competition let's just be real they didn't play sec teams or sec caliber teams this past weekend that's not me knocking auburn softball they scored runs this weekend which is not something that we're used to seeing against any competition that auburn softball typically plays and that's what i mean obviously that's what you've got to do to win games is hit the ball and and drive in runs so I think this Auburn softball team I agree with you I think they're going to shock some people they're going to make some noise in the conference and hopefully into the postseason and then baseball too of course you mentioned how Auburn baseball was picked to finish last in the SEC West and I don't I just don't see it and it very well could happen but I don't see it I think Auburn baseball is going to try and make some noise on their own of course there are some concerns when it comes to this Auburn baseball team, and we've talked to, to Jacob Hillman about it because he's so in-depth and so in on the baseball team, but I think this the Auburn baseball team as well with the softball team, they're going to make some noise within the SEC. Not necessarily that they're going to win the conference, but they're definitely going to compete and shock some people along the way. Well, you talk about this Auburn baseball team and why they're picked to finish last. We cover the team on a day-to-day basis, so to us, that's easy to say. I just don't see it and it's been a little bit since we've seen Auburn finish last it's been since 
the beginning of the Butch Thompson era. And we know that the program is in a much better place now than where it was then. But I will say this, and once again, this is not me knocking the baseball team, based on how they performed last year and knowing what players moved on to the professional ranks off of last year's team, I understand why they were picked last. Because once again, folks outside of this area locally and the way that college baseball is covered, not a lot of people cover the SEC or baseball period or college baseball period on a day-to-day basis. So they're not going to know these things. And I think when you look at Auburn's roster and who they lost from a year ago, a lot of questions are raised about this year's team. And it's fair, I think, to place them where they did in the SEC West standings in the preseason predictions. But with that being said, is that my belief on where Auburn is going to finish? No, but they are going to have to answer some of those questions, namely the pitching staff. And that's not how we're going to open today's show. We're going to talk about that throughout the week. Opening day is this Friday. That is so exciting as well as softball season is back. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about as well as Auburn basketball being ranked number two in this week's edition of the AP Top 25. But we're going to open up today's show with reports suggesting that Burt Watts Dan Graziano was mentioning earlier today that Burt Watts is reportedly leaving Auburn to head to the Denver Broncos staff as outside linebackers coach. This is currently Auburn's outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator. And I'm sure it's probably going to end up happening if it hasn't already. But, and of course, people are going to say, well, here we go again. Another assistant coach leaving Auburn football, it's leaving Brian Harson. It's fair to Harsin. ask that question, though, it, it at is. this point. It is fair to ask that question because, again, it's another assistant coach leaving in the offseason. And I don't know anything about it on the inside, why he left or what reasons. But when you look at it, he's an, he's an outside linebackers coach at Auburn, and he's going to the NFL to be the same thing. That's got to be a step up, if you ask me. If you're going from college to the pros, that's a step up. That's a job promotion. So I think he's just, in my opinion, from what it looks like on the outside, he's just taking a promotion for himself. Now, he very well could be leaving because he doesn't like Brian Harson or the program. That's, that's an easy argument to make right now, but we don't know that. But I think easy is not always the truth. Exactly, and I think... From the outside looking in, it just looks like the dude's taking a better, higher-ranking job, and so good for him. Number to call, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502 if you want to call in about Auburn football, anything on your mind about it, as well as if you didn't talk to us last Friday about Auburn concluding their investigation of the football program, Brian Harson remaining Auburn's head football coach. If you want to talk about that, the state of the program, we will be happy to talk to you about it. We're going to break down Burt Watts reportedly leaving Auburn to head to the Denver Broncos. The tweet came yesterday, once again, from Dan Graziano of ESPN at 4.02 p.m., an hour before the Super Bowl kicked off. He said, quote, I'm told the Broncos will hire Burt Watts to be their outside linebackers coach. Watts is currently the associate head coach special team slash outside linebackers coach at Auburn, following a couple of stints as a college defensive coordinator that time at Fresno State, I believe, was the last time that he was a defensive coordinator. Auburn had some success off the edge. I wouldn't say enough consistent success, and I wouldn't say enough success against the best teams in the better offensive lines on Auburn's schedule. Of course, people will point out the massive wrecking crew job that they did in the Iron Bowl. But once again, that was outside of a top 100 offensive line against Alabama. Sure, it was against Alabama, but that offensive line, folks did that to them all season long, right? So I would like to see, and I would have liked to have seen, more consistent play out of the edge position this season for Auburn. That's what I'm looking for 
in 2022, whether or not they will achieve that. But I do think you did a good job, and not enough has been said about the special teams work this past year and how Auburn did a phenomenal job in kick coverage compared to where they were in the last two seasons under Gus Malzahn. You cannot deny that was a 180 difference, and Auburn special teams was in a lot better of a place this year than it was in seasons prior. And that's a huge point that really just gets almost not swept under the rug, but just not even talked about. Oscar Chapman may be the best punter in Auburn history. He might be. And Auburn's the great point that you brought up is Auburn's kick coverage, their punt coverage and, and kickoff coverage was unbelievable. In the last few seasons of the Malzahn era, we saw every time Auburn kicked off or punted the ball, the opponent was starting on at least the 30-yard line, if not farther up down the field. And just guys missing tackles, overrunning people, and just – not making the plays that they needed to do on kick coverage but no I think they did a fantastic job in Brian Harson's first year and that that's huge it's not a huge it's not a stat that comes up on the stat sheet it's not something that's going to get glorified on sports center but kick coverage is major it's a major thing when it comes to football because where the opponent starts on the field that adds up throughout an entire game Auburn typically won the special teams battle this season when they played someone on their 13-game schedule, however many games they played this year, Auburn typically won the special teams battle. And a large portion of that, I felt like, was from the defensive side of special teams. Now, we obviously had our gripes, I remember, in football season about the offensive side of special teams. Kick return was not great. Punt return was not great. There weren't a ton of returns this year. Let's just be real. And I don't feel like Anders Carlson had his best season considering the rate at which he was improving at about a 10% caliber, 7% caliber every season. And that's a big reason why he's coming back this upcoming year is because he didn't have the type of year, I don't think, that gets you onto an NFL club with the way that he ended this year. And I think that's a big reason why he's coming back. And he's got all the potential in the world to be an NFL kicker, especially with the distance that he has. He just needs a little bit more accuracy. But the defensive side of special teams helped Auburn win that category on a gamely basis because it heavily affected field position. And it, it, it affects field position more than people a lot of people realize because, like I said, it's not something that shows up on the stat sheet besides where the team starts on the field. But even if they don't start, you know, if a team, let's say a team starts on the 35-yard line but and they move the ball to the 50 and then they punt, well, then you're stuck down inside your own 10-yard line and you go three and out and you punt it back to the 50, they've gained 15 yards within a couple possessions. And that adds up through four quarters of a football game and it's just something that doesn't show up as much as you would think but at the same time when it comes to kickers and the offensive side of special teams yeah Auburn definitely struggled returning punts returning kicks just catching the football at times when it came to a punt and those are things again that add up throughout a game and that can that can literally change the entire momentum of a game when you drop a punt return and the other team recovers it it's it's the things like that that you have to be the best at it's something you shouldn't even have to worry about if you want to be great. Of course, there's the other side of this that you've already mentioned to a degree, and this is a question, regardless of how you feel about Brian Harson, regardless of how you feel about him being Auburn's football coach for the 2022 season, this will be the, what, sixth assistant that's left Brian Harson since he's been on the planes? Something like that, Maybe yeah. even this offseason. I, I need to count that up. But on defense, he's lost a handful. He's lost Derek Mason. He's lost Nick Eason. He's now potentially losing Burt Watts. 
You look on the offensive side, there was Mike Bobo. You lost Cordelius Williams. There's at least five. Who am I forgetting right Austin now? Austin Davis. That's right, Austin Davis. So there's six right there. Six assistants have left the program. So it's fair to ask the question, when will everything settle down for the Tigers? I don't want to take this in the direction where people are talking about, oh, well, just nobody wants to work with Brian Harson Because I just don't think you know that, and I don't think that you know that that is the specific case for this coach. And right? we don't know that either. We have no idea. Exactly. So I think it's irresponsible for someone to suggest that that's the case when you don't know why, if Bird Watts is leaving to go to Denver, if this ends up playing out this way. Like you said, this could just be, hey, man, he's going to the NFL. He's going to be an outside linebacker. He's coach with the Denver Broncos. Which I think could possibly lead to a defensive coordinator job exactly. for him. I So that's what I'm saying. I think from the outside the, the initial thought, yes, it's easy to think, all right, here we go again. Another assistant coach leaving But if Auburn. he was the first assistant to leave, you think, oh, this is just a step up for him. Exactly. I think, and again, who knows? We don't know. But just looking at it from the outside, I really do think the dude's just taking a promotion. He's going to coach in the NFL, be an outside linebackers coach for the Denver Broncos. Man, that's awesome. And I think he that could lead to other opportunities in the at the professional level or even come back to college to be a defensive coordinator. But – it, to me, it looks like he's just taking a better job because being a coach in the NFL at his position, it's just a better job to be able to work and coach professional players versus college players. So looking at it from the outside, I would I would put it on that he's just taking a promotion, taking the better job. But if you if anybody out there wants to call in, give us your opinion on this situation. Give us a call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. Well, this is where I open up the question. This is a different question than maybe what some people are asking, but when will everything settle down for Auburn? I think once the season starts, or maybe even like spring practice, summer, you know, summer camp, that type of thing. I think once the team just starts playing football again, I hope that's when it's going to slow down because then it's it's all business. And everybody, at that point, at the end of spring ball, if you're here, you're here. And I don't think you're going to be – not too many people are going to be trying to leave after spring ball once the initial you know roster cuts are made and whatever you want to call it. But I think once summer practices start getting going, I think that's when it's going to slow down and it's going to be all business for Brian Hartson and Auburn football. That's what I hope, and that would be my prediction for – for Auburn to slow down would be once summer ball starts. Of course, you talk about morale inside the program, and I would imagine things are going to start settling down even before spring camp begins. This would have to be one of the last staff changes, right? Yeah, I would Lord think so. willing, you know, like this would have to be one of the last ones that you'd have to deal with because you look across the staff and a lot of the guys that are still left you're like well if they're still here they got to be bought in right and, and this not to say that Bert Watts isn't bought in once again this very well could just be a promotion type of thing most guys want to make it to the NFL especially from out west right like if you grew up coaching at Fresno State and if you you paid your dues in college a lot of those guys out west look it's not about college football it's about making it to the NFL so it makes a lot of sense that you would want to take this type of promotion, especially to get away from recruiting. Most people don't want to recruit. Most position right. coaches don't want to have to do that. And so going back to that, it does seem like this is definitely a step up for him to go to the NFL and be an outside linebackers coach. I mean, it's literally the exact same job, except you're in the league. You're it, in the league. Exactly. And the only reason I said that it would slow down in the summer is throughout spring, there are going to be some guys that realize, okay, 
I'm probably not going to play or play as much as I thought. Is that something? I mean, do you see that as a legit idea or statement? Players are going to leave at the end of spring. That's exactly. just natural. But Exactly. So that's why I said the summer, because then that'll cycle through the players that they realize, okay, A, I'm not going to play, or B, I'm not going to get the playing time I'm looking for. I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's normal. That doesn't matter who the head coach is because that happens at every program. Well, Auburn's going to have some guys transfer in from the outside Hopefully. that we're not playing. <laughs> we hope. Yeah, that's right. Which is where I go back to asking about, asking about morale is, what's it going to take to get morale up? What is it going to take to get morale up? I don't know. Is it simply <laughs> hitting the field? I mean, inside the I locker think, room. I think may, so. Inside the locker room with the players in the program and the guys actually playing football, yeah, it probably is as simple as just getting out there and playing some football, right? And getting out there for the spring and competing again. And, and that's going to bring back some normalcy, right? And and some camaraderie if there is any lacking. But is the fan base when, when is the next chance that they're going to get to see a morale boost? Is it the A Day game? I was about to say the A Day game. I think I think the A-Day game is important. I think it's very important, especially for fans. You get to come in and you just – Is it a good coaching hire? Could that be it? Uh, who? I mean, who do you hire? I mean, I, I, mean, think, I think the OC position is going to be internal. If I, I had agree. to guess right now, it's going to be Keysaw, right, which was who I wanted from the get-go. Just let that be known. That was who I wanted before Austin Davis, all, all just getting that out there. That's what I was saying back in December, right? And that's not how it played out, of course, but – this outside linebacker's position, let's say you go and you get a guy that's – it looks good, right? Right, but at the same time, if Keesaw is promoted, is the crowd that's going to say, well, here's another guy that's coming up from within that was with Boy or with Brian Harson before – like sure i'm talking about this position though that could be opening oh, up with oh, Watson because yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a sizable position he's an associate head coach so he's one of the upper ranking guys in the program he's a special teams coordinator he's one of your coordinators and he is outside linebackers coach at the edge position which has become a very valuable position at all levels of football this is a key position on the staff it would have to be somebody it have to be a big name somebody that played at auburn or pre- previously coached at auburn something for the fan base that they're familiar with i think if, if if they bring in somebody new i don't see i don't see a bunch of excitement and engagement until there's production on the field you know what i mean because unless it's somebody that auburn is already familiar so you with think fan morale for football is not going to go up until game one i agree the a day game and see what this team is going to begin to look like that's my opinion when it comes to the fan engagement now within the program yeah a good outside linebacker hire your coach hire would be I think it'd be a good especially for that side of the ball but when it comes to fan engagement fan excitement and the readiness for fans and the team and to see them I think seeing them play in the a-day game see what who you know what what they've done through spring ball I think that's going to be huge number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 if you're a little down right now about the Auburn football team what is it going to take for your morale? When is the next time you think that your morale is going to go up? What's it going to take for that? What do you want to see to get your morale up? We want to hear from you about that. That's one of our first questions we've got for you guys today, as well as anything else going on in the sports world that you want to talk about. The Super Bowl, Auburn basketball only dropping a spot to number two. That's significant. We want to hear from you about it. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about when we come back. Auburn basketball falling just one spot to number two. And this week's edition of the AP Top 25, we're going to tell you why that's significant when we come back. Radio Alabama Sports Minute and Auburn basketball on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line.
Welcome back to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner here with you today on this Monday. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. If you've got somebody, congratulations. If not, celebrate yourself because you know what? Valentine's Day, there's some hot takes on that holiday. Give us a call on anything going on in the sports world, Auburn football. What is your morale and your outlook on this Auburn football team and Auburn basketball, now number two in the AP poll, or anything else that you want to talk about in the sports world, give us a call here on the line, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Before we get into those topics, let's take a look at the Radio Alabama Sports Minute. I'm Noah Gardner with your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. The Los Angeles Rams are Super Bowl champions as they defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 in Super Bowl 56 on Sunday night. Trailing 20-16 with 6-13 left in the fourth quarter, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford led a 15-play, 79-yard drive, capped off with a one-yard touchdown pass to Cooper Cup to give Los Angeles the lead with a little over a minute remaining. In the ensuing possession, the Rams got a fourth down stop at midfield to seal the victory. Stafford was 26-40 for 40 for 283 yards yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions in the win. Cup hauled in eight catches for 92 yards and two touchdowns during Super Bowl MVP honors. The Rams defense lived in the Bengals' backfield, sacking Joe Burrow seven times across the night. The Rams organization takes home the Lombardi Trophy for the first time since 1999. In live sports tonight, let's take a look at the college basketball schedule. At 6 p.m., Virginia is at Virginia Tech on ESPN, and West Virginia is at Kansas State on ESPN2. Moving to 8 p.m., Oklahoma State State is at number eight, Kansas, on ESPN, while Washington State is at Oregon on ESPNU. Out in the Big East, Georgetown is at Creighton on FS1. The NBA schedule has two games on NBA TV. At 7 p.m., it's the Spurs at the Bulls, and at 9.30 p.m., it's the Warriors at the Clippers. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. That was your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Let's dive into some Auburn basketball. Of course, the new AP poll came out today. Auburn went 1-1 one one last week. Tough loss on the road at Arkansas and then came home and took care of business against Texas A&M with college game day in town. Noah, the new AP poll is out. Auburn dropped to only number two. And I'm going to ask you, are you a little surprised that they're just number two or did you expect it? Was that what you expected? I expected to see Auburn at number four. I really did. I expected Arizona and Kentucky to be ranked in front of Auburn and that's not me saying that's where I would have them that's where I thought college basketball would have Auburn and they surprised me most voters had Auburn at number two there's a brave group of four that still have Auburn at number one and I resonate with those individuals because you know what those individuals are looking at they're looking at the entire body of work and they're saying well Auburn still has done more than Gonzaga this year and that there's a true statement to that now I'm looking now I've always viewed the AP poll as a current snapshot whether it be football or basketball I view it as a current snapshot of where things are right now that includes some of your body to work body of work but also like how are you playing right now and I don't think Auburn's playing their best basketball offensively right now Auburn's in a bit of a rut when you look at the field goal percentages mm-hmm. how they're shooting how efficient they are part of that has to do with the fact that they've lost some guys you know Zep Jasper was out for a couple of games that wasn't good for Auburn and of course by no means am I knocking Auburn right now and I don't want anybody to think that I'm dogging Auburn I understand why Auburn is where they're at at number two and I like the fact that they're at number two and I think what that tells us 
about the national perception of the program is they value Auburn as a national championship contender. They value this team as one of the nation's best. And Auburn losing, I think they deserve to drop to number two. I understand all of the metrics and I understand all of the um, all, all of the body of work stuff and how Auburn's got the best Q1 record in the country. I agree with all of those takes. But right now, simply put, I believe Gonzaga, the way that they're playing, they appear to be a better basketball team to me than Auburn is. And that's me taking everything into, into account right now. But I definitely think Auburn is right there with them as a national championship contender. I agree with Auburn at number two after last week. I, get, I got no gripes, and I think that this is the national pers- – I think this is the national community giving Auburn respect that over the last couple of weeks I don't think they've been getting, even though they have been number one. And I, I agree with you. I expected Auburn to possibly be, like, number three, but Purdue's struggle this week I think benefited Auburn just a little bit. Of course, Purdue last week was the number three team in the country – but then they lost on the road at Michigan on Thursday night. A bad loss for Purdue. And they didn't just lose. They got smacked. They lost 82-58 to on the road at Michigan. And a Michigan team that's like just above 500. They're not playing good basketball. Like three games above. They're 13-10 right now. now. They're playing better now. Yeah. But still, that you can't lose by 24 points at Michigan if you're Purdue. And then Winning against record Maryland, in the Big Ten. Bad non-conference exactly. has really given them a bad rap. Exactly. And, and Maryland, Purdue played Maryland yesterday. And it took all 40 minutes for Purdue to yeah. win that basketball game. They won 62-61. to 61. So I think that benefited Auburn a little bit to get them to just the number two instead of three or four. I was kind of surprised that Arizona didn't jump above them, but I'm glad that Kentucky didn't get put above Auburn because that's not a deserving ranking for Kentucky, in my opinion. I think Kentucky is a top-five team. They're playing like it right now. But you can't put Kentucky over Auburn right now because Auburn beat them. That's the only thing well, holding them back. Has Kentucky done anything in the this entire season that tells you they're a top two team in the country not especially considering they lost to Auburn and granted I understand Ty Ty Washington got hurt and let's be real that affected the the, that game now did well I say that Kentucky would have won because Ty Ty Washington was on the floor no I don't I don't think there's any indication that that's just the truth right because Kentucky hadn't done anything prior to that moment as a basketball team that would have told you that that was the case, that they were a better basketball team than Auburn. Well, they beat number 5 Kansas, and they slaughtered them by 18 on the road. That and was after they beat Auburn, though. Well, that was after they lost. But yeah, I'm saying, bad, in between then Auburn. and now, I mean, they beat Kansas, and they've got yeah, – that's the only thing they've done since. But they're playing good ball. You can't deny that. They're playing good basketball. Let's head to break. When we come back, we'll talk about some more Auburn basketball and where we see this team heading in the next couple weeks. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today. We're halfway through the first hour of the show. We've been talking some Auburn football, a little bit of Auburn basketball, and we've had some good conversations so far about some expectations for Auburn football coming up, our concerns for Auburn basketball, how they're just now the number two team in the country instead of number one. But Noah, it's been a good show so far. It has. It's been a heck of a show, and now we're going to get on the line with us, Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Buddy, how you doing today, man? What's up, guys? How's it going? It's going well. How you doing, Jeremy? Doing well, guys. Good. Doing well, doing well. So we first want to talk about 
Auburn football in the Brian Harson situation now that it has all been settled and Auburn didn't find anything in their investigations they came out made the statement that Brian Harson is going to be the football coach this season what's your takeaway after the the craziness that was of two weeks I, I just think Auburn's got it they they have they got to get to the bottom if it was internal of where where all this mess started. Obviously, I've been on Brian Team Harson for a while. I think he needs three years. I don't think that anybody um, should ever be fired unless you have cause after, uh, before three years. And Brian Harson looks like he's probably going to get his three years. But it felt like going down the stretch that um, people thought that they had enough to push Harson out and hopefully that he would negotiate his buyout. But Harson said, hey, I didn't do anything. I want to be the coach at Auburn. And and they couldn't get him out of the door. And listen, I think Brian Harson's a good guy. I think people drug his name through the mud. And I think uh, the Auburn family is really going to – I think they're going to fall behind him, and I think they're going to rally behind him. And I, I would not be surprised if Auburn came up with some surprise wins in the next football season just after the feeling of this tumultuous. That, that was a bad week of Auburn football. I don't care what anybody says. It ended the way that it should have ended – but it was a bad week for Auburn football, but I expect the fans to get behind Brian Harson and um, and at least give him a full two more years to show what he can do at Auburn. I think, every, but I do think everything ended like it should have ended, and I, I think it's good for Auburn that it's behind him and hopefully find a way to move forward, hiring a hiring an, o, an OC and making some more hires, maybe some recruiting hires, um, so they can improve the recruiting, which I think is probably the only criticism that you can have of Brian Harson right now is. I know he closed, quote-unquote, closed well in recruiting this year, but Auburn's still sitting, I think, 7th and 8th overall in 24-7 composite rankings. He's going to have to fix that, but I don't think you can look back at last year's football season and say Auburn went 6-7 and seven because of Brian Harson. They're, they're a Bo Nix injury away from a nine-win year, probably, and, uh, and then everything that's happened in the last month being um, completely null and void. So uh, I like Harson. I think they should stick it out with him. Speaking with Jeremy Law, Radio Alabama Sports. Jeremy, talking about something that I asked callers earlier, and we're still looking forward to hearing from folks about this later on in the show, but what's it going to take, and obviously this is from an outsider's perspective, but what would it take, do you think, to get Auburn fans' morale up? Obviously for the football program, the players, the coaches, it's going to be hitting the field in the spring and getting some normalcy back. But for the fan base that seems to be down right now in the direction of the football program is heading, what's it going to take to get an uptick in morale? Well, I think I said it last year because the morale was kind of – to, to me, the morale was down when they hired Harson, And um, I said that they needed to knock off one of the big boys, and they almost did. Listen, they almost beat one of Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M. They ended a losing streak in Baton Rouge, but – I mean, look at LSU last year, guys. That's not the LSU of the last 20 years. Um, but I think they need to come into this year. Maybe it's a win over Penn State at home. That's a massive game. And they probably should have won that game on the road last year. Bryant Harson can put together maybe two out of four versus Penn State, Alabama, um, Georgia, and Texas A&M. If he can put together two out of four of those and have an improvement in wins and maybe knock on a bowl win next year, um, that'll that'll do it for him in the football season. But for the time being, I think Auburn fans want to see him be more relentless on the recruiting trail. They want to see Zach Atherton get more involved on the recruiting trail, who closed well for Auburn, but the team overall didn't close very well. And I, want, I think they just want to they just want this to be behind them. The OCs leaving, the DCs leaving, Austin Davis being on staff for six weeks. None of that was a great look. 
But I also think some of the things that some of the other players were saying, like he didn't, he wasn't very conversational. He didn't ask me, you know, he didn't seem like he was my best friend, essentially. Dude, that's, Nick Saban's not these guys' best friends. You think Jimbo Fisher's not in the locker room cutting up with these guys? They're hardworking guys, and I think that's the type of guy Brian Harson is. So I, I just think that the sense of normalcy is going to come with spring practice. Um, the the eight day game and then rolling into summer, in which was when you really find out what your team is all about. And but I really think it it's gonna it's only going to get better. You're gonna you're not gonna be able to silence all of the noise unless Brian Harson picks up some marquee wins um, in what is this 2022. And he just didn't do that last year. And you know he's a quarterback away from doing it a couple times. Jeremy, the reports came out last night about an hour before the Super Bowl that Auburn's outside linebackers coach Burt Watts is getting hired by the Denver Broncos to be their outside linebackers coach. And this is now the, I believe we counted it, the sixth or seventh assistant coach to leave in this offseason for Auburn. Is this something to worry about, that it's another assistant coach leaving, or is this just a guy taking a better job? What was your initial reaction to that? Well, it, listen, man, if people go into the NFL, they're going to the NFL. What we talked about it with Austin Davis. It's way less work. For probably more, it's not the same amount of money. You don't have to deal with recruiting. You don't, especially now with NIL, you're going to lose staff members. Nick Saban is how many OCs, DCs, linebackers, coach, D line? So how many? I mean, he's just replacing them left and right. It's going to start happening to Jimbo. It's already happening to Kirby Smart. I mean, when, people are going to take your coaches. So that's just something that Auburn fans are going to have to live with. And, and quite frankly, when you have guys like Kevin Steele that are your D.C. and some of these other guys that Gus Malzahn had as O.C., people aren't going to take your coach. You're, you're winning eight, nine games a year, you know. And um, so, But, but if, for, if Auburn starts getting good, where a lot of people think they should be, they're going to lose more and more coaches to elevated jobs, whether that be NFL or, um, you know, assistants, the coordinators, those types of things. You just got to be patient and – to me, I think all the noise should be put behind Harson right now, coaches leaving, whatever. The guy's going to be the coach in 2022 and most likely 2023. Just time to get behind him and see what he can do. Jeremy, staying with football, but we're going to go to the professional rank Super Bowl last night before we get to Bama basketball. Takeaways from the Super Bowl last night, halftime show. I'm going to give you the floor. What direction do you want to go in? Not a big halftime show guy. You know, I, I didn't watch the halftime show. That's when I go make my bowl of chili or get my wings. Um, but, no, I, I just think that in a world of where we're so happy to throw flags on defensive holding, DPI, illegal touching, how can you let T. Higgins rip Jalen Ramsey's face mask into the dirt and score a touchdown with seven or eight officials on the field? I mean, that, that game, Joe Burrow and the Bengals should have scored one touchdown, and that should have been it. I mean, the game should, this should not have come down to – um, a, what a first and goal play after a penalty for Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cooper Cup. It's just uh, the 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 OPI needs to start being called and they need to chill out on the DPI a little bit. The the game is just it's not very physical anymore. But in a world of happy flags and referees, they love to throw that targeting flag in college and they love to throw the DPI and the illegal touching and holding in, in the NFL. How can you let that happen? But overall, man, listen, I know people here don't like Georgia very much, but Really cool to see what Matthew Stafford can do with, you know, a good defense and some quality players around him. The guy's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for, what, the last 14 years, I believe, 14, 15 years. Been one of the best in the league, and he's able to show you that last night. Still threw two picks. One of those, you know, you're throwing it up for grabs on a third and long. If you don't catch it, you're punting. It ended up being better than a punt because they ended up having the ball in the 10 
Um, but, man, I thought it was good for Matthew Stafford to get that one probably in the Hall of Fame now and consider the numbers that he's put up over the last, you know, 15 years, now combined with a Super Bowl win. And that game, you know, with OBJ being out, Matthew Stafford able to step up, find Cooper Cup, find some other guys, and, and, and get that win. So I thought it was a good game. I thought the NFL playoffs, man, if you're not an NFL guy like me, I don't have an NFL team, don't watch it a lot. The last month of the NFL has been, I mean, it has been very, very fun. I think that they won a lot. They won over a lot of fans um, since mid-December. Two party fouls, my man. First of all, chili. And second of all, no halftime show. What's your problem? Well, my, my mom made chili last night. You know, okay. when, you, when you're going over and you're bringing the baby with you, you don't get to pick what's been cooked. So I had the pot of chili. It was cold, cold day, Noah. It's a cold day. It was about 30 when the game ended. Good That's pot fair. of chili. You can't beat it. That's fair. And you didn't watch the halftime show? No, no, I did not. I mean, it was kind of on in the background. Um, never been a big halftime show. I mean, Prince was good. You know, all the guys are Snoop Dogg. Oh, they're good, but just not a big halftime show guy. I thought it took way too long. I mean, looking at my watch and thinking it's been 35 minutes since anybody played anything, I'm watching it for the game. Spoken like a true sports fan. Jeremy, before we let you get out of here, let's talk a little tied hoops. It was a big week for Alabama. A loss to Ole Miss could have sent that team spiraling to the bubble because they would have been 14-10. Now we look at this team right. and what? They're 16-9 and and they just got a big win over Arkansas. This team may have just found a way to not wrap it up yet, but they've put themselves in a very good position to make the NCAA tournament. It was a huge week. I think they're in the tournament. I mean, Gonzaga's back up to number one. Um, they'll have a chance to play Kentucky close here at the end of this week. Just don't need to lose the teams that they should be. Unless the Alabama's, the Alabama's wins are still the best wins in college basketball. They played the toughest schedule in college basketball. They're, they're in the tournament now unless, unless they just have a horrible collapse at the end of the year. But they almost had a horrible collapse at the end of Saturday's game. Alabama scored less than a point per minute in the final nine minutes and 30 seconds against Arkansas, choked away a 13-point lead. JQ choked at the stripe at the end of the game. And Jay, Honestly, Devon Quinterly going two for six from the field, 0 for three from three, which means he shot 66% from two, which is about where he's been all year. At some point, the guy's got to stop firing up the three ball. I know in some games, like the Ole Miss game, he can get hot and Alabama can knock down the threes, but um, he's got he's, we got to start attacking the bucket more. I thought J.D. Davis, and though, if that guy can give you half of what he's given you versus Ole Miss and Arkansas, Alabama is a really good team. I mean, the way he played at Gonzaga, played great versus Houston. If J.D. Davison can play to that level, um, Alabama has a, has a good chance to beat anybody in the country, but he's kind of your swing factor guy. Now he's in the starting lineup, J.Q. coming off the bench. If they can continue to give – JD some confidence Alabama's going to be really good but they're just so inconsistent I mean they're a team that you could literally see going on a run winning three games in the tournament see them in the elite eight or they can go out and swap you out in the first round so Alabama definitely probably your bracket buster either way if you're talking about wins or losses in the NCAA tournament but I think they're going to be in now now they're now they're playing for seeding if you ask me if they can go on a little run here they could probably have a much better seed than anybody thought they could have two and a half weeks ago. Well, Jeremy, we appreciate your time today, man. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, guys. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Had some good points about Alabama basketball and how they are more than likely probably in the tournament now with their wins against Ole Miss and Arkansas. Also made some good points about Auburn football. Just get the noise behind them and let the boys play. 
your takes on what Jeremy had to say. I think you look at this Alabama basketball team moving forward. Of course, the work that they did last week, if they had lost to Ole Miss, that's a team that's in the bottom four of the league. You know where they're at right now? They're fifth in the SEC standings right now. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about Alabama had to win that Ole Miss game, and they did. And then they came out, and they beat Arkansas, a team coming off beating the number one team in the country. So Alabama did what they had to do this past week. But it's not over yet, in my opinion. I think there's some, there's some games that Alabama could very easily lose. And if they don't, or if they do, then, I mean, they control their own destiny at this point. So when we come back, We'll head to the phone lines. Mark, we have you on the phone. When we come back from break, we'll get him on the phone here on the line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Fun show so far. We got about eight minutes or so left in hour number one. Before we get back to the show, I want to do our weekly Point Broadband High School Player of the Week, and this week's is Auburn High School's Soraya Daniels. The sophomore guard was named Area Tournament MVP as the girls' basketball team locked down an Area Tournament title. The Tigers start the state playoffs against Prattville on Wednesday at noon. Soraya Daniels, your Point Broadband High School Player of the Week. Point Broadband, smarter, faster, fiber internet, point-broadband.com. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Mark, you're on the show. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, just I want to run about two or three quick points by you. One, on Harson, I think his recruiting, what did it end up, like 18th or something in the nation? 18th in the nation, 8th in the SEC. Yeah, well, considering that he didn't come in until December and wasn't allowed to have recruits on campus until June, I think he did a heck of a job. Now, I would have liked to have seen maybe a couple other recruits come in at the late signing period, but uh, either way, I'm I'm glad he's still there. And, you know, it's time for a change in Auburn athletics. They have got to get away from the good old boy power struggle that we've had and start letting people do their job. Uh, the other quick point I want to make is on halftime shows. Uh, while all those artists are great artists, halftime shows stopped counting when they started lip syncing. When that came <laughs> in, that's the end of the halftime show. All right, guys, have a great afternoon. We appreciate the call, Mark. Thank you very much. And I want to touch on a couple things he said. First of all, the Super Bowl halftime show is it, – it can be very entertaining – but like Jeremy said before, it's too long, man. It's I have too mixed long. emotions about last it's, night. It's too long of a halftime show. That's too long for the teams to sit in the locker rooms. I've read some stuff about that, coaches and players, saying how that truly affects their play because they sit in the locker room for 40 minutes because of the halftime show setting up, tearing down, whatever. And then to Mark's other point about Brian Harson and his recruiting class, I've said it all you know, for the last three weeks, that top 20 in the country is a miracle recruiting class for Brian Harson. I definitely think where Auburn finished from a recruiting standpoint exceeded expectations. Now, we've had some people disagree with me on that because they don't like Auburn finishing 18th and recruiting in 8th in the SEC or 7th in the SEC, which is not a good thing. Auburn has had back-to-back classes finish in that bracket of the SEC and that tier of the SEC, and that's not good. That's going to hurt Auburn from a talent perspective in two to three seasons. You're going to start to see it 
crop up later on but I also think you have to look at the circumstances regarding those recruiting classes and I think this coaching staff did as good as they could have under those circumstances and cleared expectations if anything I think this coaching staff has shown its ability to recruit rather than its inability to recruit now if we continue to see this over time then that may be a sign of a lack of interest in recruiting considering Auburn recruits itself Auburn as a program and where its status is as a program in college football should lend a hand to at least at least top 15 classes you really should be knocking on the front door of top 10 on a regular basis so by no means am I saying it's acceptable that Auburn produces top 18 recruiting classes no way but these have also been very interesting and never before seen circumstances in Auburn football history the last two or three recruiting cycles and there have been some pretty nasty hands dealt to these coaching staffs including a worldwide pandemic and the fact that you hired somebody from Boise Idaho with no relationships to someone in the southeast right so now is the time this year's recruiting class 2023 the one that they have just embarked upon this is the one where I think you can say all right where does this coaching staff stand as recruiters because this is where things start to level out a little bit in terms of the playing field across college football and it's going to be interesting because of all of the coaching turnover I know we've been talking about it especially today with Auburn's outside linebacker going to the Denver Broncos that's a big deal because now the coach or the recruiting class that is 18th in the country was recruited by coaches that aren't even here anymore now there's new coaches in these positions and they're going to do different types of recruiting so that's an interesting point to look at but I agree 18th as a consistent level is not good enough recruiting we've talked about that a bunch on this show but for the first year under Brian Harson, given all the circumstances I, I truly do think it's a miracle but like you said if we see this consistently not breaking the top 15 or top 10 then no that's a problem well the circumstances for recruiting really haven't gotten any easier have they they've right? gotten worse but at some point you have to find a way to overcome those circumstances you talk about this recruiting class not being recruited by the coaches that are currently on staff but think about the relationships that were built with the junior class now turning into seniors for this year's recruiting class Auburn now has to start over again again third straight year this has happened on the recruiting trail Auburn now has to start over again and building these relationships whereas these other teams across college football namely the Alabamas the Georgias the Floridas that are around you in your pocket even Ole Miss now Mississippi State I think could do this they can point at Auburn and say look at all that dysfunction are you sure you want to go over there are you sure that's what you want to deal with so not only do you have negative recruiting coming from around you but you're also having to start new relationships with these players with new position coaches on your staff because you've had for the last two or three seasons massive staff overhauls think about how many coordinators have come through the door at Auburn not just under Brian Arson but also under Gus Malzahn that's going to hurt recruiting over time and so at some point things have to settle down for Auburn on their staff for recruiting to succeed I don't have super high expectations for the 2023 recruiting class and that's going to be a knock on this coaching staff and it should be because at some point you've got to find a way to succeed despite the circumstances and if this football program is going to experience a positive trajectory they're going to have to recruit better than 18th either that or this coaching staff is going to have to be developers like we've never seen before in Auburn football history and really across the SEC 
for Auburn to achieve the expectations that are set upon them because Kentucky that Mark Stoops is a developer right and he's done this at Kentucky he recruited barely inside the top 25 and got Kentucky to seven win eight win seasons on a year in a year out basis but that gets you fired at Auburn Auburn's got to be winning nine ten games that's what they want and they want you competing for an SEC championship every two three four seasons right and really Gus was doing that to a degree with top 12 recruiting classes on a year in out year out basis so what kind of developer are you and I don't think that we have seen that at Auburn to where someone can win consistently with 18th ranked recruiting classes when each of the top three teams in this year's 24-7 sports recruiting rankings by the way they're all on your schedule that does it for hour number one here on the line we'll come back after this commercial break when we come back we're going to talk about all things Auburn you're listening on the line Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner here with you today on Valentine's Day, Monday, February 14th. First hour in the books, starting off hour number two. We've got Jacob Hillman on the phone, Auburn Jungle president, works for Auburn Sports Network and Weagle 91.1 FM sports director. Jacob, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day outside. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone, and and I hope y'all are having a great show. So far, it's been a good show. So we're going to bring you in here, and let's start with some Auburn baseball that's getting started this week. I know you're you're super in with the baseball. You're all about it. So give us what talk to us about what you are looking forward to most with Auburn baseball starting up this week. Yeah, looking to Friday, I think the big thing, the big news that some people might I not expect is that I expect the Friday starter to be Tommy Sheehan, the Notre Dame transfer. I think he's going to be, he's worked extremely well throughout the fall and then into the spring and he's performed well. Coach Thompson has put a lot of trust into him. And I think that he's going to come out and be the Friday starter. And it's going to be awesome to see him uh, perform as his first time as an Auburn Tiger as a Friday starter. As far as the rest of the rotation, uh, you can see any combination of Carson Skipper, Justin Gonzalez, those are the two guys I could see, uh, getting the Saturday and Sunday starts, but I think really the offense is going to be fun to watch this year. You got new new names like Blake Rambush and Sonny Deshera. It's going to be awesome uh, to see those guys play out there in Texas at the Rangers ballpark. What was your impression of Auburn being picked last in the SEC West among the preseason predictors? Well, it's really just how good the SEC is. Auburn's projected to probably make the SEC or the NCAA tournament, uh, whether that's like last four in or towards the bottom of the barrel. But still, that just shows how good the SEC is. And I think another thing that tells you that is Arkansas's pick to win the West, but Ole Miss is actually picked to win the SEC championship. So it's really just a it's a wild, wild, wild ride in the SEC for baseball. 
Uh, I would go as far as to say it's tougher in baseball than it is in football. So I, I really think that it's not an indicator of Auburn as much as it is of how strong the SEC is this season. Looking at the Auburn baseball schedule for this weekend at Auburn kicking it off in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown, Oklahoma, number 12, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. What is a good scenario for Auburn this weekend? Oh, yeah, I think it's got to be just winning two games. If you do that, that is a successful, a successful weekend. Uh, if you only grab one, uh, that's okay as long as you don't uh, underperform in the other game. So I, I look for Auburn to grab one game and have good showings in other games. You grab two games, and you're happy coming back to Auburn. Of course, you were on the call for a few softball games this past weekend. What did you see out of the Tigers out on the softball diamond? Well, recently named uh, Pitcher of the Week, Shelby Lowe was dominant as she was her freshman year. Maddie Penta, she, uh, b- both pitchers actually, came up one strikeout shy of their career high when uh, they went out and pitched. So it was a very dominant performance from the pitchers. Uh, I think Penta and Lowe are going to be two girls that really show out for the Tigers this year. And I, I expect them to continue to earn honors like Pitcher of the Week and and really, really give Auburn softball uh, the boost it needs to uh, make it ma- make a run in the NCAA tournament like they did uh, several years ago. Talking to Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president from Auburn Sports Network and the sports director at Wego 91.1 FM. We're talking some Auburn softball. Where do you predict this Auburn team to finish up in the SEC? Because we've heard different takes from before the season started, but now that this team is often running through the season. Where do you predict them to finish within the Southeastern Conference? Yeah, I still like them to finish the middle of the pack uh, of the SEC, and, and, and that's fine. This is just like baseball. Probably tougher in the SEC than it is in football. Uh, obviously, the schedule is it, it's interesting uh, with Auburn. You know, you host Florida, you go to Tennessee, you go to uh, uh, teams like that where you're happy with just grabbing one game. But I think that this softball team is one that can steal games when they really need to. So, I mean, yeah, just, just going down the schedule. You go into Mississippi State, I think that's going to be a crucial series. Mississippi State is not a team that is dominant in softball, and Auburn can really go out there and maybe grab two games. But then you also have a series at Arkansas. Arkansas has become a powerhouse uh, in softball. It's going to be tough to go out there and grab two games. If you grab one, you have a successful weekend. So I like to see Auburn go in the middle of the pack, probably six through eight, and that's going to be good enough for a two-seed in a regional. Of course, we're not accustomed to seeing this Auburn softball team plate runs, and that's not me knocking this team. Let's just be honest. Over the last couple of seasons, they have struggled to score runs, even against teams of the competition Auburn played this past weekend, which is not SEC-caliber programs. Seton Hall, St. John's, UMass Lowell. If you're having to migrate to warmer weather to play softball, you're probably not an incredible softball program. Auburn played it a lot of runs, though. What was your impression of the offense? Yeah, and you're not wrong to say that Auburn hasn't been scoring runs over the last couple of years. Last season, for example, did not score double-digit runs until very, very late into the season, and they did it a lot this weekend. So it's good to see the power. You've got freshmen that are showing out. You've got the experienced players. Ashton Godwin hit one of the longest home runs I've seen in a long time at J.B. Moore Field. And then uh, Briella, she's hit two home runs over the weekend, including uh, a walk-off on uh, Saturday afternoon, then Diver Bryant followed it up with a walk-off of her own uh, Saturday night. So you're seeing different players play in different positions that they haven't over the last year or two uh, that 
are really showing out in those new positions. Sydney Cox, what a performance from her. She had a triple, a home run, like four doubles on Friday between the two games. Uh, she basically hit for a cycle in the day, but she didn't get a single. So it really it wasn't. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing these players uh, find their rhythm with the bats and, and continue to put up uh, runs. This weekend is obviously a big test. You're playing teams like Texas Tech, uh, Texas, and then UCLA and Wisconsin. If they can go out there and put up runs like that and Lowe and Pinta can also be dominant, then you're looking at a good weekend where Auburn can grab two games maybe and, and you're coming home. Uh, with a successful weekend. Jacob, let's talk about the news around Auburn today. Of course, the new AP poll came out for men's college basketball, and Auburn coming off a one-and-one week. They dropped to number two in the rankings behind Gonzaga. What was your initial thought on Auburn being number two, and did you expect that to be that, a little high, a little low? What was your initial thought? Yeah, that's right where I expected them to be, and that's right where I think they should be. I don't think you lose, and Gonzaga didn't. That's fine that Auburn drops to number two. Now, of course, as soon as Gonzaga loses, if Auburn hasn't lost by then, you've got to move Auburn back up to the spot. So I, I'm very happy with the way the voters – but the lowest spot was number five for Auburn, and there are only a few voters with the Tigers at number four. So I think the voters got it right this week with where they placed Auburn, and it's not something that is really that critical right now. you still got to keep winning games to really secure, one, the SEC championship, and two – without one seed in the NCAA tournament. You don't want to have to travel. You want to try to get as high as the seed as possible uh, so that way you can uh, go in and play a 16 seed in round one. Or, at best, or best case scenario, you're playing Greenville, South Carolina, where a lot of Auburn fans are willing to migrate to and, and be road witnesses. So, uh, yeah, my initial thought is just it's right where it should be, and it's really not that critical right now. So I really hope that, uh, that the Tigers just keep, keep playing. doesn't matter if you're not number one anymore and uh, get back to playing the way that Auburn should like they did on Saturday. Of course, we talk about Saturday's performance, and we haven't had a whole lot of time to give our takeaways from that, but I'll be honest, I'm underwhelmed with the efficiency at Auburn, uh, where Auburn's at right now on offense. Now, defensively, it's out of this world. It is. But you look at your last five, six national champions, they are all in elite tier, top tier offensive efficiency categories, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. They're all great offensive teams. And right now, Let's just be real. Auburn's offense is struggling. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, look at the first half. There was a man. There was a stretch in that game where the passing was just not good. It was not good at all. Tigers were turning it over, and like you said, thankfully the defense is so good that it didn't cost Auburn. Now, of course, Texas A&M is a strong opponent, so that also has something to do with it. But I do think that the defense really stepped its game up when it needed to, especially Walker Kessler and and guys like Flanagan. But I think that the offense does need to step up when you're playing tougher competition uh, like you will on Saturday at Florida. If the passing's not there, that, that place is going to be going wild and you're not going to be able to win there. Auburn does not have very good success uh, in Gainesville. So I do think that the offense needs to step its game up. Uh, it wasn't – I mean, the turnovers were an issue. It didn't look like it because there weren't very many points on the turnovers. But I do think that they need to clean the passing up and – and really uh, control the ball better. We've got Jacob Hillman, the Auburn Jungle president from Auburn Sports Network and the sports director of Wego 91.1 FM. Jacob, as Auburn basketball comes down the stretch, they've got six games remaining on the schedule, three at home and three on the road. Besides the offensive woes that we just talked about that they need to fix, what are you looking for from this Auburn team coming down the home stretch? 
yeah, it, it, it's got to be on defense, not necessarily doing what you did against Texas a and because that was an impressive showing. You got a great game from Walker Kessler. Now, with that being said, I think Wednesday, look out. Kessler might get another triple double. Vanderbilt's a team that gets a lot of shots blocked, and Kessler, obviously, one of, if not the best shot blocker in the country. So I think that Wednesday you're going to be able to get away with, with a lot of things on offense, but on the defensive side, I want to see the consistency on the perimeter. Texas a didn't make a three-pointer until midway through the second half. Not a lot of teams are going to do that. A lot of teams are going to be able to make their three-pointers. I think Scotty Pippen probably will be able to make a few threes on Wednesday night. So I want to see the perimeter defense clean up because I thought A&M had some clean looks at three-pointers, but they just didn't make, they just didn't fall. So uh, if they do fall, then Auburn might be in some trouble. So I want to see that perimeter defense clean up and maybe even uh, grab a few steals, be a little more aggressive. Now, of course, Wendell Green is not the guy you want to try to be aggressive because uh, he, he's just so small that if he gets if someone gets past him, then he's in a tough position unless he gets some help from Smith or Kessler. But Katie Johnson and Jeff Jasper, I'd like to see them uh, up their steal numbers just a little bit uh, if those three-point shots start to fall. Of course, you're the Auburn Jungle president, Jacob. What do you got going on uh, on Wednesday night as Auburn hosts Vanderbilt at 8 p.m.? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is that there's three more chances to see this historic team. Uh, at Auburn Arena. I guess two more chances to see at Auburn Arena, and the final time will be in Neville Arena. But nonetheless, it's, you only got a few more chances. So I say if you're a student, make sure you're out of these games. These games also won't be uh, the crazy lines that we've seen in past games. Hey, look, the Saturday, the jungle didn't fill up uh, until right before college game day. So it, it's one of those things where I hope the students keep showing up and keep lining up. Don't be discouraged if you see a line because we're managing the line a little bit better. So there was no, there was no pushing, no shoving. It was very well controlled. It was very clean. I was so happy with the residents of, of Jungle Village on Friday night because it was clean out there. They're keeping our campus clean, and and really, it was just a fun, safe atmosphere out there. So uh, hopefully, we keep that up, and and I look forward to seeing that on Wednesday. Jacob, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all your content and keep up with you, my man. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow AU Jungle on. Uh, Twitter and Instagram as well for all that content. And uh, keep up with Weagle stuff. We're calling Auburn Club Hockey as well as Auburn Lacrosse coming up. So uh, those are some new uh, ventures we're diving into. It's a lot of fun with that. Jacob, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, you as well. Thank you, Noah, for always letting me on the line. You as well, Jacob. Have a good day. That was Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle president, as well as he's been doing some softball games on the Auburn Sports Network in addition to being the Weagle 91.1 FM sports director. Jacob, keep it going with the show here. Ah, oh, I meant to ask him about the Super Bowl. Man. I meant to ask him about the Super Bowl. Well, we haven't talked about the Super Bowl hardly at all yet, and I think that's where we should talk about this for just a little bit before we move on. Your takes on the Super Bowl last night because uh, your team lost. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I said Bengals plus four. They lost by three. So did that's I, fair. Did I no, really you're lose? Right. Yeah, that's fair. No, I, it was a great game, man. It, it really was. It was a fantastic game. It was just about as good as you could have asked for. A three-point game came down to the wire with a game-winning touchdown drive from Matthew Stafford and the Rams. I mean, that's just about as good as you can ask for when it comes to the Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year. And it was a great game. I think it ended how it should have ended. I think the Rams were the better team. I think the Rams went all in on this team, and they should have won. The Bengals not saying they didn't deserve to win, but they were a team that should not have been there. They were not supposed barely to be there. Barely made the playoffs, let's barely, be honest. Barely made the playoffs, and then they made a historic run, and that's cool to see. And it's like a couple of years ago 
I'm going to make a hockey reference here, so everybody just bear with me. A couple of years ago, when the Vegas Golden Knights came in to the NHL, the brand-new team was created. They made a run, went all the way to the Stanley Cup final, and then they lost to the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin. That ended perfectly exactly how it should have. Last night was the same situation with the Rams and the Bengals. The Bengals should not have won that game, and the Rams deserve to win. I think it ended perfectly. Joe Burrow and the Bengals will be back. But if they would have won last night, I mean, it wouldn't have been bad. But, I mean, they weren't supposed to be there, okay? They weren't supposed to be there. Wait, what? I blacked out. <laughs> what? Started talking about hockey. Whatever, man. man. <laughs> Number to call, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open for the rest of the show, or you can hit us up toll-free at 888-382-7502. Thoughts on the halftime show? I have mixed feelings about the halftime show. I'm turning your mic off the rest of the show. Um, Don't be like that, man. <laughs> it's too long, man. The halftime show is too long. It goes almost 40 minutes of a halftime show. I mean, that's too long. And like was Jeremy it really? Was saying, it was over. I mean, it was like 30, 35 minutes pushing 40 with really? commercials. It yes. didn't feel like it. I think it felt like it, though. It really did. I'm there to, like Jeremy said, I'm there to watch the game, man. I'm really? I'm a football fan, and the halftime show is cool, and they had a lot of big names, and I'm, you know, Credit to them for getting all those big names, but it's just too long. It was a good show. I'm not a huge halftime show fan either, so I'm not just like, oh my I God. am. You I'm know, there for but, the game, but like I am interested to see the halftime show. The Super Bowl is a spectacle in many different ways. The game, the commercials, which the were okay. Anthem. Did you scan the barcode or the QR code? No, but Neither the, web, did I. I was the like, website, somebody puts a QR code on my TV. I'm not scanning hey, that. The website crashed. Did you know that? That QR code was. I'm for sure the, a lot of people did. Yeah, it crashed. But no, the commercials are all right. I I heard somebody say today, and it actually made sense. The commercials are not as interesting as the older I get. Not that I'm old, but like back they're in not, ele- I think they're just the quality of the commercials has gone yeah, down. Yeah, but back in like elementary school and middle school, you'd everybody come to school the next day. Oh, do you see that? Do you see that Doritos commercial? But now it's just like, eh, you know, the commercials are whatever. Our intern Trevor says that the concert was only 15 minutes. Really. I don't know about all that. Now, of it, course, there's the time that it takes to set up and take down in between, but they've got to have right. that down to a science. Yeah, but, you know, you got to think the big commercial before, the whole performance, another commercial, then they come back and they're like... I mean, there have been national know, anthems that are about a tenth of that time. Yeah. Let's just be honest. But then they come back, they're like, you're watching the Super Bowl on NBC, and then they go to another commercial. It's like, dude, it just felt like it took forever, in my opinion. It's still too long. It's cool, but... I don't know. I'm there to watch the game. So not... was last night the best Super Bowl performance of all time, like people were billing it as? Trevor says yes. Uh, I mean, sure. That's definitely his style of – that. that's definitely like yeah. – that's your music, man. You love – like those guys are your artists. Hey, I love Snoop. Snoop Dogg, D-O-double-G. I love Snoop Dogg. And Eminem, too. I like him, too. So, and 50 Cent hanging upside down. Like, there was some that crazy was, stuff. That, that, that was probably one of the most exciting moments for me last night was 50 Cent upside down. <laughs> the only reason why I say that is because th- this is I thought the music was phenomenal. I thought the rapping was phenomenal. I thought the, the artistry was great. But the stage and the extra effects and stuff of the show, I, I, I think that took away from it potentially being best of all time. I mean, we, we literally had the weekend going through a House of Horror-style mirror thing last year. I mean, it, to me, just not enough of the pyrotechnics, the lights, the, the other stuff going on. It was just people standing on top of buildings rapping, yeah. which was which was great. I love the music, and those are some awesome artists. It was It was a fun throwback, but there could have been – 
more things going on surrounding it. I know a lot of people are going to hate my opinion on that, but I thought there could have been more effects. Nothing, I mean, Lady yeah. Gaga flew into the stadium, That's what guys. I was going to say. And, and Katy Perry did the same thing. She dropped in from the top, Exactly. Man. That's so cool. It's like, and 50 Cent was hanging upside down. That was the highlight. I mean, was 50 Cent hanging upside down. Which and, was awesome. And who knows how long he sat like that, but, you know, bless That's him. That's what but. I wondered. I was like, did they literally roll in him hanging upside down in that room? And Probably. how did he not black out if that's the case? Yeah. I don't know. It was a good show. I mean, it, I, but I again, mean, how long could you have hung upside down and then still performed your song at, at, at the halftime show? Well, it's Fifty Cent. You know, he may be able to do some things we can't do. So I don't know, man. It was it was fine. It it, it was what it was. But at the end of the day, the Super Bowl itself, the game itself, was fantastic. Were there some questionable calls near the end? Of course. But at the end of the day, twenty three to twenty, Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a great it was a great game, and you can't deny that is Pete Carroll out there somewhere angry that someone threw on the goal line and got the touchdown probably he's probably a little salty but it's okay they worked and you the Rams also have this guy named Cooper Cup who just catches that can everything. Get separation from anybody yeah he gets separation he can catch whatever he wants to catch when we come back here on the line we're going to talk about some more college basketball and what happened this weekend you're listening to on the line You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on this Monday, February 14th. Had a heck of a show so far. Just a few more minutes before we go to the national break, and we'll come back and discuss college basketball from this past weekend. But let's continue with making headlines. Of course, we just talked about the Los Angeles Rams beating the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl last night, 23-20. to And some other news around Auburn. Burt Watts, Auburn's outside linebackers coach, reportedly leaving to go to the Denver Broncos to take the same job. Noah, your initial thoughts on Burt Watts leaving Auburn? I think if this was the first assistant leaving this offseason, it would make a lot of sense to people with him going to the NFL. And maybe it does. Maybe we just don't have our finger on the pulse of this thing and maybe people aren't freaking out but I get the vibe and honestly this was the first thought that I had I said oh another assistant right it's because it's the sixth assistant coach to leave the program this offseason since December since Auburn lost to Alabama that's a lot of coaches guys that's a lot of coaches and so on the one hand this very well probably is a promotion for Burt Watts this is a huge step up going to the NFL same position doesn't have to coach special teams now this is one step away from being a defensive coordinator he's at a team that has a good defensive track record he can be successful in Denver and they have a good organizational culture in Denver they at least even when they're not successful and they're not making the playoffs they're still a team that you don't necessarily want to play this year started out the season three and oh so finished like what seven and ten eight nine had a pretty decent season they're still relevant, right? It's the Denver Broncos. They're relevant, and they have a good defensive pedigree. This is a step up for him, but for Auburn folks, you're like, when is this going to end? And so is this a reason for Auburn fans to panic that another assistant coach is leaving, or should they just not worry about it, maybe worry about the offensive coordinator position first before they worry about an outside linebacker's coach leaving? But this is also your special teams coordinator, which still isn't as important as your offensive coordinator, but – Underneath all this, you have to remember Burt Watts was listed as the associate head coach. So he was a high-ranking 
position coach inside this organization and he was a special teams coordinator which defensively for Auburn on special teams the defensive side of special teams your punting your kick coverage whether it be kickoffs or punts that was really solid for Auburn this year the offensive side of special teams in terms of kick returns punt returns field goal kicking that was not great for Auburn this year and so a little bit of a double-edged sword there for Auburn on that front on special teams I thought in terms of Auburn's edge rushers which is what he coached outside linebackers at Auburn which is going to be your edge rushers in this defense you had statistically some good edge rushers but against better competition this year against the better offensive lines they faced tended to disappear now was that because of the scheme probably so you only blitz three well picking up two double teams on two different guys it's not going to be effective right and so I think part of it was scheme that hurt Auburn on that front I'm not scared of Auburn's defensive product next year even with all these coaches leaving there's too much talent in the uh, on that side of the football I think they're going to be fine just things need to settle down for Auburn a little bit and Obviously, I think there's going to be an internal promotion with the offensive coordinator position. I think it's going to be Eric Keesaw. That's been my take on this since the get-go. Of course, they hired Austin Davis, but now I think it is going to be Keesaw. Uh, you just don't have a whole lot of time before spring ball starts. I think it makes a lot of sense. And then you've got to go find somebody to go and coach quarterbacks, right? And, and what direction do they go with that? Um, it's, it's probably not going to be a sexy name across college football because of A, the timeline, where you are at currently in college football, B, all of the dysfunction that has surrounded the program, those types of things, you're probably going to bring in another Austin Davis type guy who doesn't have a whole lot of experience. But this coaching staff, I don't think cares as much about the credentials. I don't think they care as much about where you've been at, what you've done. I think they care more about who you are, your approach, your your mental you know your mental fit, your culture fit inside the organization I think that's what they care about more at least that's what we've seen out of a lot of their hires and so and and I like that I don't dislike that approach um, because everybody comes from different backgrounds right at different starts and you don't always have to go and get a guy that has SEC experience for them to be a successful developer and I think what Auburn's looking for is an internal move at offensive coordinator and a developer at, at, at quarterbacks coach to pair nicely with Brian Harson, who I imagine is going to have a heavy hand in whatever Auburn does on offense. If you have an opinion on Auburn football, Auburn basketball, anything else going on in the sporting world, give us a call here on the line, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Trevor's over there waiting to take your call. No one to wrap up making headlines before we head to the national break. Auburn basketball falls to number two in the newest AP poll today we talked about it a little bit earlier how we expected that to happen but I want to ask you this does Auburn get back to be the number one team in the country before the season is over probably not Gonzaga won't lose again but it doesn't matter and I don't think Auburn fans should want Auburn to be number one again this year because it's going to bring pressure and maybe not this go around because Auburn's already been number one this season and I was really hoping that that loss against Arkansas was going to help ease Auburn into Saturday. And I still don't think Auburn played very well on Saturday. And we'll talk about that on the other side of this break. But my take is, don't worry about being number one. Worry about improving. Worry about winning the national championship. Really, the next thing that you're worried about is winning the SEC championship. Winning the regular season SEC championship without having to share with Big Blue Nation, without having to share with Kentucky fans, because they are not going to let you hear the end of it. You do not want to have to share this one. You had to share it last time with Tennessee. You do not want to have to share it this time, and I think that's my take, is find a way, because look, Kentucky's got a really tough four games coming up. All of them have a number beside their name. Auburn, 
this is an easier stretch for them, but I could see some road losses sandwiched in there like a Florida or a Tennessee or a Mississippi State. Close, strong, don't lose again. Don't worry about being number one. Win the regular season championship. That's what's on your mind. We'll talk more Auburn basketball and their game against Texas A&M this past weekend when we come back. Welcome back to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Center, Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on Monday, February 14th. Been a great show so far. Got 30 minutes left here on the line. If you want to call in about anything we've talked about or anything else that you want to talk about, give us a call here on the show. Call in 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you've missed any of the show, just look up on the line wherever you get your podcast. It goes up immediately after the show every single day. But Noah, we've talked about Auburn basketball and their games that they played already and a couple games that they have coming up with six games to go, three at home, three on the road. I asked Jacob Hillman this when we had him on the phone, but of the next six games, what are you looking for for Auburn basketball in their final six games coming down the stretch? Go undefeated, man. If you're the best team in the country and you're going to win a national championship, go undefeated. Quit with this. Kentucky's doing it. You want to win the regular season championship, right? You want to win it outright. You don't want to have to share with Big Blue Nation. There's already been a lot of back and forth this year. Imagine what type of unfortunate uh, like like what 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 type of unfortunate conversations that is going to lead to out on social media between those two fan bases right if Auburn can't close this thing out you're having your best season ever potentially obviously we got to look at the NCAA tournament to be able to say that but and, and as po- of right now yeah right yes as far as record is current and, and you couldn't win the regular season outright look this this is big boy basketball you you want to be a basketball school you want to know like what it's like to be a basketball fan base you win regular season championships that matters because matters Bruce, a lot. Bruce even talks about it. He talks like that is the first goal is to win the regular season SEC title because once you do that, then you can move on to do bigger and better things. But that's what Bruce Pearl talks about doing. So I 100% agree with you, man. You got to win the SEC title outright right now. Don't share it with that big blue monster that's behind you because they're coming. And as good of a season that Auburn has had, Kentucky's only one game back. All it right. takes is for Auburn to slip up one more time. And they're going to share the title. And I promise you, that's not what Auburn and Bruce Pearl wants. You break down Kentucky's next four games. They're at number 16, Tennessee, tomorrow night. That's huge. Tennessee's playing great basketball right now. That would be a massive blessing for Auburn at their title race. And honestly, will take a lot of pressure off of Auburn to be perfect down the stretch. Obviously, you don't want to lose, but it takes it will allow Auburn to play looser down the stretch that they won't have to worry about one loss so that would be huge if Tennessee could pull that one off then they'll host Alabama Alabama's not going into Rupp and beating this Kentucky team and then they'll get to host LSU LSU's not going into Rupp and beating this Kentucky team the other game that I think you could see Kentucky lose on a Saturday at 1 p.m they'll be at Arkansas but look uh, Auburn lost to, a, to an inspired Arkansas team Auburn lost to an Arkansas team that I still don't play I don't I still don't think they played very well against Auburn I thought they played one of their better games but this Arkansas team is not efficient offensively and Auburn lost that game because of circumstances around the point guard position because Auburn didn't play very well because they didn't shoot the basketball very well they had a five-point lead with a minute and a half well uh with a minute and a half left they didn't play the last minute and a half smart they they gave the game away at the end let's just be honest I, I don't think Auburn our uh, Arkansas went out there and did what they needed to do to win but also think Auburn played a big hand in themselves losing that game when you talk about the turnovers that they had at the end with their overall shooting performance so I think this Kentucky team, although this is their, undeniably, this is the most difficult stretch of their schedule, 
if they beat Tennessee tomorrow night, this, this Kentucky team probably is not losing again in the regular season because in March, their final two games are a home game against Ole Miss and a road game against, let's just be real, a subpar Florida team. Even though they're at 16-9, and nine, just look at how they played this past weekend against, against Kentucky. They can't score. They can't score. They can't. They're just not capable offensively of keeping up with what could be the most efficient offensive team in college basketball in Kentucky. So when I talk about Auburn over these next four games, the same stretch that Kentucky's about to play, you look at Auburn's schedule, they've got a home game against Vanderbilt. You better win that game. You got a road game against Florida. Once again, that is a bad Florida off- like that is a bad offensive Florida team. That that is a game that I think matches up well with Auburn and why I have not thought of that one as a potential trap game for Auburn even though that's the one that people want to call out. I just don't think Florida matches up well with Auburn. And then you get to host Ole Miss. That better be a win. They finally now have succumbed to being below 500. That is the second worst team of the SEC this year. And then you're on the road against Tennessee and that one could be a loss. That really that that one could be a loss. And so you're hoping that that Kentucky loses one of these next four, especially if Auburn loses to Tennessee. But if Auburn does not lose over the next four, I think they handle business in the month of March. They should be playing their best basketball at that point on the road at Mississippi State. They'll be hosting South Carolina for their final two games. So you compare the schedules, Auburn is a lot more favorable compared to Kentucky's. But I'm also going to say this. Kentucky's playing better basketball than Auburn is right now. There's no doubt about that. Auburn fans want to make fun of Alabama throwing up bricks and building their new arena with those bricks. But let's just be real. And and they may not like the fact that I'm saying this, but Auburn shot 12% from three against Texas A&M on Saturday. They missed 22 threes. They were three for 25. That's horrible. That's not that far, guys, from Alabama going three for 30. They were three for 25. They missed 22 threes. And then earlier in the week when they played Arkansas, they missed 24 threes. Of course, they shot 25%, but you were 8 for 32. That's not good. You could that say, is you bad. Know, you could say Auburn's going to build their new basketball complex with all their <laughs> bricks. I mean, there's no doubt that right now Auburn is not shooting the ball well at all. Nobody on the team is shooting the ball well. No. The only reason our Walker that Kessler Auburn, is. I was just about to say, the only reason Auburn has any good or any decent shooting percentage is Walker Kessler dunking the basketball. That's they, it. They were 68% excuse me, 64% from the free throw line against Texas A&M after being sub 50% at the free throw line against Arkansas. Horrible. They didn't break 40% this past week. And you may say, oh, well, this is just a bad week. They didn't play well against Georgia either. This has been a three-game stretch. And if this continues, I'm not saying that Auburn's done for anything like that. This team is 23-2 and and ranked number two in the country. I'm just saying if this continues, you may end up sharing the regular season championship with Kentucky. And that is not where you want to be at when this is potentially your best season in program history you want to win that outright it's important it really is and here's what i'll say haven't we seen this before from an auburn basketball team right about this time end of january end of february no matter what team it's been under bruce pearl at auburn it is fatigue auburn always goes through this stretch of about a month three to four week stretch where they just play bad basketball they play bad offense they don't shoot the ball well they drop some games that they may or may not should drop but we've seen this every time we saw it with the final four team in february they were like 500 in february that team was and then in march they got it together and didn't lose until the virginia game in the final four but we've seen this every year under bruce pearl with auburn and you're exactly right it's fatigue they're tired they've played a lot of games on Saturday turn around and play a road game on Tuesday and I think Auburn is going to be fine they've just got to get it figured out get rested up I think this stretch right now is extremely important for Auburn where they have Vanderbilt on a Wednesday night 
where then they can kind of, you know, get a good, not, I don't want to say easy, but it should be an easy win for Auburn. This is an important stretch for Auburn to get rested back up and get the motor running again because we see it every year under Bruce Pearl. And so far, they've been able to get out of that rut, but we'll see if this team's able to do it. Well, what's funny about this Auburn team is we talk about this rut and, and they're, you know, three and one over the last four games where I don't think they've been, or, and you can go even further than that. They, you know, maybe six, seven games, go back to the Missouri game. You, that, that's when you can say this team hasn't really been played as well as they were before that moment. And you could say, well, they've only lost one game. And when they've played at home, they've won by 17, 18 points every time they've played. That's how good this team is. So people may think we're nitpicking, and maybe we are a little bit. But once again, the margins for Auburn to be a national championship team, they are so fine. And I would like to see Auburn win a national championship in my lifetime. And so that's why I'm being critical of this basketball team, because I know they can get there. And granted, the offense that Auburn has right now very well may ne- may not be the same level of efficiency that they will play at when it gets to March. We know this team has way too much talent to not be efficient when it comes to March Madness. This is going to be a team that's capable of beating the uh, of beating anybody in, in the country on any given day, especially with their defense providing them some some support. Talking about the Vanderbilt game on Wednesday night, you talk about that one should be an easy win, but this is a team that's punching above its weight class over the last five games. They beat Georgia. Ooh, whoop-de-doo. But then they only lost to Kentucky by seven, beat LSU by nine, beat Missouri by eight, and then only lost to Tennessee by nine. They're hanging and running with two of the best teams in the league right now, two of the best playing. Honestly, I think Tennessee and Kentucky right now have played the best over the last five, six games in the SEC, and the statistics support that. The wins support that. I think those two teams have played the best caliber basketball on a possession-to-possession basis in the SEC that's not me saying that they're better than Auburn I just think they have played better than Auburn over the last five six games and Vanderbilt ran with them in both of them and gave them everything that they can handle they got Scotty Pippen Jr. being able to score 18 points or more on any given night Uh, this is a much better Vanderbilt team than what we are used to seeing of course they're still 13 and 11 they are 5 and 7 in SEC play but I'll tell you offensively this is a team that could pop off and if they pop off on you and you're not playing well then that's where you get upset Fortunately for Auburn, it's at home, and Auburn typically wins these games by 17, 18 points, and the defense is so much nastier at home. Everything about Auburn is so much nastier at home than it is on the road. So I don't see Auburn losing on Wednesday night, and I think it should be another 18-point win or so, but it's the road games that should bother you right now with the way that Auburn's shooting the basketball. And the game on Wednesday night needs to be a game where Auburn figures it out and gets back to playing Auburn basketball because you mentioned it. We are being nitpicky. They're 3-1 and one over the last four, whatever it is. Of course, the only loss being at Arkansas, but the wins, they're winning by 10 to 18 points, whatever that margin is. But when you look at teams that are successful in March and that win in March, it just feels like compete. they're brute-forcing it right now. Exactly. Like they're, they're using their athleticism, their talent – which is superior to everyone that they play on average. But that's not going to play out when you make it to the Elite Eight because everybody else is just as good as you. Exactly. That's what That, that was the point I was going to get to was Auburn is winning ugly. And in March, you can't do that for six games in a row. That's what you got to do in the NCAA tournament. You got to win six in a row. And you can't win ugly and just by talent every single game because you're exactly right. When you get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four and you play somebody like Gonzaga, you can't just out-talent them because they have just as much talent as you do. This team, Auburn can be better than anybody in the country, and when they're playing their best ball, they're going to beat anybody in the country. But whether they do that game in and game out, over the last two weeks, we have not seen it. Auburn has been more talented than all these other teams, and they've just used their 
their skill to do so, but they have not played good basketball. And even before this stretch, what was I saying on this show? I said Auburn has not played good basketball yet. They have not played a complete 40 minutes of basketball. And while teams like Tennessee and Kentucky are getting better by the game, Auburn's still stuck in this little, uh, for lack of a better word, we've been calling it a rut. They're still stuck. The wheels are spinning right now. They can't get any traction. But once they do, it's going to be on. And Auburn's going to be able to compete and beat just about anybody in the country. Well, I think that's what should scare a lot of college basketball, too, is turning this in a positive direction about Auburn is that everybody else is catching up to Auburn right now. It's not Auburn getting left behind, I don't think. I think it's other teams, and you're talking about Auburn right now still kind of stuck in the mud and not completely reaching that next level that we want them to get to on offense. I think it's the Kentuckys and the Tennessees that are playing catch-up right now that are just now trying to get in the same level as Auburn and the standings support that but they're coming the, they are but imagine what happens you said it's on when Auburn does finally reach that level offensively that's when Auburn leaves them behind is it possible for those teams to even reach another level from where they're at whereas we know Auburn can that's what should be encouraging to Auburn fans and where I want to take this direction so that people don't think that we're dogging this team is that you look around college basketball everybody else is playing catch up to Auburn and Gonzaga I think right now and I'm not saying that they have far and above cleared everybody maybe Gonzaga's reached that point I think from how they're playing basketball right now because they're actually playing really well every single time they hit the floor and part of that's their competition but I thought they looked pretty well against St. Mary's this past weekend one by 18 against their first legitimate competition everybody else is playing catch up to Auburn and Gonzaga right now and what should be encouraging to Auburn folks is just wait until Auburn kicks it into the next gear and they leave those teams behind because there is room for Auburn to improve can the other teams get can the other teams reach another level from where they're at and I don't think most teams in college basketball chasing Auburn right now can whereas we know Auburn can improve I agree and I'm not being negative on this team I would just hate to see I'd hate to see Auburn get stuck and stay in this you know again this rut that they are in right now and not get to that next level because we all know not just Auburn fans everybody in the country knows how good this Auburn team can be but I don't want Auburn to let Kentucky and Tennessee catch up and Gonzaga be better than them in March because Auburn can be the best team in college basketball and there's too much talent and there's too much history to be made with this team I just don't want them to get to to get I don't know what the word I'm looking for is lost in history yeah exactly just get lost in history and not be as successful as they could be let's head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 Ed on the line with us Ed how you doing today man Uh, I'm doing good guys hey I was just going to uh kind of chime in and agree 100 percent with what you're you know your 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 meaning there uh you and we hear it like with the Super Bowl just getting over you know, it's so hard to get there. It is, it's not easy to get the talent, and just Auburn does have a very, very special team this year. And I think, you know, if they can get, and I think they probably will, you know, I've, I've got all the faith in the world in, you know, Bruce Pearl and that staff. If they get those guys to play in the best, they can beat anybody. But if they don't get to that point, then sure, Jafari's going to be a great pro. Uh, Walker Kessler's probably, you know, I think also going to do very well, you know, very well. Uh, it, it, Walker Kessler right now is the MVP on the team, in my opinion, you know. But, uh, and I think y'all might 
got well, it, it, him and Jabari and Green. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I was just wanting to put that in and agree with what y'all are saying. It, 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 you can't take it for granted that you've got. I remember in the '70s when Auburn had, or yeah, Willie Andrews, Joe Cribs, and James Brooks in the same backfield and couldn't win games. You know, all three just wound up great pro careers. You know, running the ball. But anyway, guys, more Eagle. Thanks for taking. Appreciate Ed War Eagle to you as well. Yeah, I think Ed's hitting the nail on the head there, and I like that he's agreeing with us on this because Auburn's super talented. They are, and you know that this has been an exceptional season. I don't want anybody thinking that we've been talking negative about them. I try to give Auburn a ton of credit every time, and and once again, like how good Auburn is, the fact that they're winning by eighteen every time they play at home, and we're and, criticizing, and, right? They're not even like we know, you know, objectively. You watch the team, you're like, yeah, that's that they're not playing their best game. I mean, I walked out of Auburn Arena the other day, and I heard some people talking about it, and they were talking about how they're just not making shots right now, and and it's true, they're just they're just not making shots right now but imagine what happens when the shots do start falling because when they do this team can't beat anybody in the country let's take a quick break go ahead man i was gonna say but if they play like they did against texas a&m against somebody like kentucky and they just keep getting better it's gonna come back to bite them let's take a break here on the line Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on a Monday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes to go, but we're going to start out this last segment with what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The 2022 Winter Olympics continue on NBC from 7 to 10 p.m. with snowboarding, freestyle skiing, bobsled, alpine skiing, and more. Over on CBS at 7, it's a new episode of The Price is Right at Night. And following it at 8, it's Big Brother Celebrity Edition. A new episode of Kids Baking Championship is on Food Network at 7. Movie selection for tonight, Roadhouse, is on AMC at 5.30. In live sports tonight, let's take a look at the college basketball schedule this evening at six virginia is at virginia tech on espn and west virginia is at kansas state on espn too moving to 8 p.m oklahoma state is at number eight kansas on espn while washington state is at oregon on espnu out in the big east georgetown is at creighton on fs1 the nba schedule has two games on nba tv at 7 p.m it's the spurs at the bulls and at 9 30 it's the warriors at the clippers i'm noah gardner and that's what's on tv tonight well, that was what it was on TV tonight. Noah, we got a little bit of college basketball tonight. Not a ton, but there's some basketball. Hey, there's a game on right now. UNBC up 36-35 to 35 on New Hampshire at the half. I like some basketball You remember at when that o'clock. Twitter account was the darling of yeah. everything? Yeah, Everybody you, just loved the UNBC Retrievers Twitter account. Well, why not, man? They made history. They were No, that Twitter account was fire. Yeah. Okay, let's just be Even after they lost, like the I existence strive. of that Twitter account yeah. was fire. I strive to be that. <laughs> but Noah what are some games that you're looking forward to tonight on the college basketball slate before we get out of here tonight's schedule is not great it's this not. is this is one of the worst big Mondays we've had and maybe you you'll have more interest in the NBA schedule or, or the Olympics than you will in college basketball but Virginia's at Virginia Tech 
that's a rivalry game, of course. I think Virginia is a team that could still make the NCAA tournament. Virginia Tech is very much so on the outside looking in, but they're favored by four and a half. That's at six on ESPN. And West Virginia is at Kansas State. Two middling Big 12 teams, but a middling Big 12 team can still make the NCAA tournament. Namely, I'm looking at West Virginia, who's been a bubble team for a little bit now. That's 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, then you go to more teams that are on the bubble. Oregon, Washington State, that's a 16-8 and eight. Oregon team against Washington State, who I don't I don't think a fourteen and nine Pac twelve team is no. is on the bubble. But Oregon very much so at sixteen and eight. They're favored by five at eight on ESPNU. And then number six, Kansas playing Oklahoma State that has had the propensity to be very up and down this year. They can play great some nights, potentially upset a team, or they can play horrible the next night. They're at twelve and twelve though. I think they remind me a lot of last year's Auburn team in that they they already peaked they already had their stretch of games where they shock some people they're like oh, okay maybe this team's not letting a uh NCAA tournament ban hold them back but the reality is I, I think the at this point in the year with six games left for a lot of teams especially teams in Oklahoma State's case the the inspiration and the motivation runs out a little bit at, the, at this point of the year because you know you don't have a whole lot to play for hey they're playing for the nit man come on now that Kansas, they can't make yeah. it to the nit oh they can't they can't play in the postseason they're oh, they, the right, NCAA right, right. Yeah. took them out of the postseason oh yeah then they're definitely i hate to say that but i guess the yeah their their motivation is probably not the highest for the oklahoma state cowboys and kansas is the only ranked team playing tonight so that's kind of a damper on college basketball but there's a few games and some of the times like that Virginia Virginia Tech game that could be a sneaky good game it really could be two mid-tiers in the ACC it could be decent but I don't know the, I think the, it'll the be a good basketball good. game but it may not be good basketball because the yeah. ACC has been it's actually, gonna be it's been pretty bad this low year. scoring don't expect the teams to go over 65 points talking about Kansas though you look at Kansas's last five games these are the opponents they've had to play Kentucky Iowa State Baylor Texas and Oklahoma and four of those teams were in the top 25. That's good. One of those teams was not. And they went 3-2 and two over that stretch. But you look at Kansas, they're 20-4. and four. They're ranked sixth in the country. They've played well in some games. They have it in others. Obviously, was upset last Monday. Didn't play very well against, uh, you know, kind of a barely above 500 Oklahoma team. Only won 71-69. But I think you watch Oklahoma and you say, oh, this team is is better than the record suggests because of the conference that they play in. They beat Iowa State by 9, thumped Baylor by 24. Obviously, they lost to Kentucky by 18. This Kansas team has been a little Jekyll and Hyde, but they're one of those teams where I'm like, you could be a Final Four team, you could be a national championship team that not a ton of people are talking about right now. Well, their strength of record is top five in the country, yeah. and that's for a reason. They play good basketball, and they play good teams when they do. Battle-tested, for sure. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.